0: Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 139. This week, we recap Windows Developer Day with Giorgio Sardo, including high DPI improvements, Windows game mode, and a public roadmap tracker. We'll also answer the question, what is Windows Sonic?
1: This episode of the MS Dev Show... Brought to you by Espose, the market leader of .NET and Java APIs for file business formats. Natively work with DOCX, XSLX, PPT, PDF, MSG, MPP, Image Formats, and many more.
0: This week we have Giorgio Sardo, senior director in the Windows engineering team, focusing on helping developers build great experiences on our platform and devices. And he's calling us from his Surface Studio. How's it going?
2: Hey, very well.
0: <laughs> so, how's that uh, Surface Studio work? Pretty good for Skype. So
2: sweet! It's amazing. I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and is that that's just the built-in camera then?
2: Uh, built-in camera, yes. Uh, it does okay. also have a built-in microphone, but for today I'm just using a headset.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's pretty. It's pretty good quality though. I can imagine that thing is good for video calling. I love actually. It yeah i have a i put a computer in my kitchen and 50 percent of its purpose was just for for video calling like this so um if i could afford the studio i'd put that in my kitchen
2: (laughs) i definitely recommend it i have a lot of people coming (laughs) and checking out like every day it's pretty good
0: yeah very cool okay carl what do we have for the comment of the week
1: uh the comment of the week we got off of our website from you uwe i'm like it wasn't for me it's from you not me so he was commenting uh, on uh, Jason's uh, opinions about the earpods. He says, again, a great show and fun to listen to, but I need to say something to Jason's ear pod review. It seems you missed out on the only reasonable player in the Bluetooth earpod space. The company is Bragi it's from Germany and it was a Kickstarter product. It's called the dash. And since some days they have a second product called the headphone, both are far more functional and nicer of a product uh, compared to what Apple produces. I was a backer and used them for some months now. And I really love them. Just have a look at the reviews worldwide and, you'll see what I'm talking about. And he goes on a little bit longer with his review. And um, as being somebody who's really interested in uh, Bluetooth EarPods, kind of like Apple, but not Apple, mm-hmm. I think my additional ref- uh, research kind of really reinforced what you said. There's there's
0: a lot more players out there, but they're
1: way more expensive.
0: Uh, I These think ones, this- The ones that he referenced, I think are the only ones that are actually cheaper than the AirPods. I wanna say the ones he yeah. mentioned are like one, 150?
1: I, I, I saw oh, these they were only, more, they were about, most of them are about 300 and I didn't yeah. see anything that was even close to what,
0: uh, Apple produces, uh,
1: for their yeah. price and quality. Isn't that
0: crazy? Everybody's like, they're so expensive and they are like, don't get me wrong. I'm not acting like a hundred and what is $160 is nothing, yeah. but they really are in that class of product. They actually are, um, yeah, be- some of the cheapest. Because it's really the three to four hundred dollars for anything equivalent, yeah.
1: And you know, I, I saw his review and I was so excited. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go check these out and get some. And I
0: just couldn't. You know, that that's just a little bit too high of a bar for something yeah. that I don't absolutely need. And here's the thing too. Like, if you have an Android phone, um, you lose a lot of the benefits of the AirPods. So then maybe you would you would go look at this. I'm just looking at the the dash here because I I swear that they were actually less money. This was like one of the only ones I've seen that where they were cheaper maybe it was like an entry level, like wired version or something. Oh no. The dash black is yeah. $299. Oh, here the they, headphone, they, yeah, the they, headphone they, is 149 yeah.
1: yeah. They also sell it one ear pod at a time.
0: You can buy the left or the right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Look at the, the, the dash yeah. left. That might've been the other price I saw, but yeah, the headphone, yeah. um, is $149. So that is like the only product now that I'm aware of that is less expensive. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the only the only thing that the, the big advantage of the AirPods is just that automatic uh, pairing, yeah. uh, which is pretty cool. So just the integration.
1: So if you want to get mentioned on the show, uh, just like you did, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We especially like those five-star iTunes reviews.
0: Yeah, thank you, you. That was, uh, that was very <laughs> good feedback. Uh, okay, so we're actually going to skip the news today because we just have Giorgio for a, a limited amount of time. And uh, what we're going to be talking about is developer day. I think it was called, what was the official name? Windows developer day.
2: Windows developer yes. day. Yes.
0: Yeah. So celebrating uh, developers. And, and I think this thing kind of flew under the radar. If you weren't paying attention. I mean, I've talked to people and I mentioned windows developer day and like, what the heck was that? Um, so, you know, we wanted to make sure that we, we amplified it because there was a whole bunch of like, you know, really good news in this that um, um, I, you know, I think each of the the individual stories, um, we're, we're really popular, but I was just kind of surprised that not a lot of people um, heard about windows developer day. So glad to be talking about it now. So we'll have a little bit of commentary and, and we'll just, you know, we'll go through the announcements so that people don't have to go around and, and search for all this stuff. So I guess we should start in like, what was developer days and And I, my question too, is like, was this the first one?
2: Yeah, so uh, back in November, we talked about the new update for Windows, like Windows 10 uh, um, creators uh, update. Mm-hmm. And we kind of share like our vision and our roadmap more from a consumer perspective. And we show like new devices, we show new scenarios that will be possible in this new update of Windows. But we really didn't then talk about developers. And then uh, uh, in a few months we will have a build conference uh, where we're going to talk about the future vision of Windows and what we're doing, you know, uh, in the to enable like in the next months and in the next years. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to take some time before we get to build to actually talk about the developer story of the creators update. Uh, and that's why we did this event uh, online. So this is uh, quite news for, for Windows. Instead of doing a big uh, event with a lot of people in a physical location, we decided to do it uh, live online. And so it's available on demand if you miss it. Uh, and really, like we celebrated a lot of the news for developers in the latest creator update.
1: So I, I heard a lot of people who did watch it really enjoyed the content that w- there was. Um, is Microsoft willing to say if they're going to throw a similar event like this uh, going forward?
2: I think for us has been uh, you know we're always looking at evolving the way we engage with developers um Uh, We love to meet developers in person. We love to meet them where they are. Uh, One of the things, for example, we do uh, every year for a while, and this is something my team has been very busy with, is uh, the build tour, where we literally get on the road. Uh, And having Mm -hmm. that physical connection with the physical culture is super relevant. Uh, At the same time, we find that uh, uh, reaching developers online help us and also help them uh, getting more access to information more easily. And so we're definitely experimenting and looking at ways we can be more open in, in our planning. And so instead of waiting for the big, Day, just sharing, you know, more free, with more frequency, updates, and and keep the conversation going throughout the year.
0: Very cool. Actually, we should probably dive into that. I know we we plan on talking about that in a little bit, but I noticed that like the the there's a there's a roadmap for, I think it was for, was it developer-focused, but there's like a Windows roadmap feature, the feature yeah. for the roadmap. So yeah, you want to talk about that Sure. on the roadmap story?
2: It kind of goes back to the transparency. You know, Windows has mm-hmm. been for four years, this product where we have a release, then, you know, nothing happens for several months, then we have another, another big release. Um, and we kind of changed that uh, a couple of years ago as we introduced the insider builds. And now we release basically uh, preview builds of Windows pretty much every week or every a couple of weeks. Um, and what we announced uh, last week is that we're also going to open up uh, uh, our backlog as as well as our bug database and what that means is basically as a developer uh, that um, is building application for Windows, you can have a full view on what we are internally thinking. Um, if you are familiar with the edge backlog is very similar uh, mm-hmm. um, it's called uh, modernstatus.ie, uh, and basically it's the idea that you can see which features we are considering, which one are in development, which one are available in the last preview that we just released, or which one uh, went live. Uh, that way, you always have full visibility and, and transparency over uh, what we're working on internally. Uh, and also yeah. allow us to get feedback and so if there is a feature that uh, developers like a lot please give us feedback and tell us exactly what you want to see or if there is something that is in our backlog and you're like uh, really I'm not going to use that unless you know you provide something else let us know and so it's a very new way for us to engage and and, and build the product
0: yeah it seems and like I, there's oh sorry carl uh, it seems like there's been a lot of success with um with like user voice mm-hmm. So it's great to see that, you know, everywhere else. Cause I've, I've put items in there and then I'll get an email that, okay, now it's being worked on yeah. and just like tweeting that out. I can't believe like the number of retweets, like that gets people super excited. Like, oh, they're working on that feature that I care about. Yeah. It, Sorry. Go ahead, Carl.
1: Go ahead. Yeah. But I, I think that this portal, uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes uh-huh. has, has a lot more visibility to the exact details. Um, and, and it's a little bit more communication, a little bit more open about exactly, uh, what the status right. of bugs and features are. Uh, one great example is there's uh, a former guest of the show uh, Ginny Kehey she's been a a championing uh, to get SQL client into UWP apps into the SDK for a long time and she uh, had brought that up during the question and answer period and uh, it was noted that there's something that was under consideration so uh, immediately when the backlog went open uh, uh, several people noted that it wasn't there and so you know uh, people on the team were being able to be contacted, and it got there. And it's, you know, properly labeled under consideration. So it's really nice to be able to see that and, and, you know, kind of hold Microsoft a little bit of accountable for the promises that it makes.
2: As a matter of fact, yeah. the feedback you just mentioned is actually, I believe, available in the last Insider build. So you should check out the, our backlog again. Uh, but we're oh, actually excellent. shipping now SQLite as part of the SDK. Uh, so you don't need to actually deploy it with your application. That improves performance, reduce the size of the binary, mm-hmm. and put the, the, the accountability on us to keep SQLite mm-hmm. updates. So all yeah. good stuff coming.
0: Yeah, a million eyes are better than one, I guess. Um this this page, this is awesome. I love I love how you guys have laid this out. I, I think this is even more consumable than uh than user voice, honestly.
2: Yeah, uh, I think user voice yeah. was very good for uh and we're gonna to continue to use user voice by the way. Uh it's really good to to see uh to stack items compared to each other, to do the up vote, right? A developer goes in, put a feedback, and then other developers can go in and do up or down vote. Uh, This one is our view of that, right? So after we triage user voice, we combine it with our internal planning. This gives like an up-to-date status on what is that uh, on our dashboard right now and what is instead not considered because we're prioritizing these other items. And you'll find there are connections between the two. So you'll find it in the backlog. We often point to this was, I don't know, like the top item on user voice. So you'll find that connection as well.
0: Oh, yeah. I see that this is linked to user voice. That's pretty cool. Okay, I like it. All right. So you had mentioned that uh,
1: the SDK, and considering this was for the creators update, do we have as developers access to the preview SDK already?
2: You do. Last week we released it uh, uh, publicly, so all developers can go and download it. In order, to, it's a it's a preview. So in the spring timeframe, we're probably going to release the, the final version. But today, you can go and download it immediately. Uh, all you need is a Windows 10 Insider Build. Uh, I think the last one is uh, 15,021. Uh, but if you go, I'll point to the resources on, on this podcast. And you can go and install an Insider Build of, of the OS. And then you can ins- install an Insider Build of this SDK. And you're up and running. So it's available. It also builds on top of Visual Studio 2017. So in addition to all the great <laughs> greatness of the SDK and Windows 10, you also get all of the new cool things from Visual Studio 2017, which I absolutely love. Like, it's faster to install, very clear uh, setup path. It's faster to run applications, to connect on VSTS. It's really good.
0: Now, when you say faster, like... We mean like, way faster to install.
2: <laughs> like, hours faster. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> like,
2: hours. And, uh, and also, yeah. the, the size on space, one of the, the, the feedback that the Visual Studio team got in the past is that when you install Visual Studio, it can occupy quite a few gigabytes. Uh, and sometimes mm-hmm. you actually don't need all of that uh, uh, setup with you. Uh, and so now you actually select the workload when you install it, and so you can decide, you know, am I building a website or am I building an application? And then based on that, you optimize exactly the resources that you need on your machine. The yeah, team actually... be very busy. Oh, there is another thing yeah. I want to call out, actually, for sure. our friends in Visual Studio, which have done an amazing job this time. It's the ability to uh, uh, edit and continue. So you can run an app. Uh, the app is still running, and you have the debugger attached. Uh, you can now modify in real time the XAML code and in real time getting updates to the app without the need to stop it, re- modify, redeploy, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. It's like VB six. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, um, that, that is great. I want edit and continue everywhere. Yep. I, that, that is like such a good bar. So one, other, one other thing I just wanted to mention real quick was that, uh, we do have a date now for visual studio 27, uh, t- visual studio 2017, sorry to go GA, which is, uh, March 7th. Um, so that's pretty exciting. That was announced uh, just a few days ago. Mm-hmm.
1: So you had mentioned edit and continue, and that's kind of a, one of the XAML features. But there is quite a, a, a bit more in the XAML updates. Uh, for example, SVG support directly in XML, or in, in XAML. Can you tell okay. us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, so we actually, the the, the team working on XAML and working on composition, working on controls, uh, they've done a lot of uh, uh, new updates. Um, SVG has been a, a common request. Uh, Sometimes you might have already like SVG assets, like icons or s- some some other assets that you want to just render as SVG. And although it's possible to convert it to XAML. like it, it's an additional step, and so now you can just do it uh, in line. It's it's safe uh, from a execution perspective. It's performance. So that's a that's a nice feature to have. Uh, and there is much more that the XAML team has has been doing. Uh, for example, they created they are improving. Uh, what they call connected animations which is the idea that you know, applications get richer. Uh, the expectation from users is that uh, your UI um, is, is more dynamic and is able to create a, a com- an emotional experience with the user. And that implies that there is a smooth transition, for example, from a page to another page. Or if, you click, uh, if you're if you on a data grid and you click on a piece of content, you know, it, it smoothly uh, jump to the, to the detailed view of that content. And so to do this, uh, we introduce uh, with the anniversary update uh, something called connected animation, and now with the creative updates, we are making this even easier to use and, and more performant. Uh, so it's very easy to create uh, a lot of effects. In fact, we demonstrated on the on stage, and I'll, and I'll put some links, how to apply blur effect or how to apply lighting effects. Um, and all of these effects also run at 60 frames per second. So uh, unlike what we did in the past where we created a lot of Nice graphic capabilities, but they didn't always have the best performance. Now you can get the best performance from the hardware and the best, you know, graphic UI into your application. Mm-hmm. And this is all available either in markup as XAML or uh, you know, in, in uh, by code.
0: Yeah, I really see the maturity shining through now. Um, it's very cool. Now you, you did mention and I was a little mean, but the, the XAML edit and continue. Does that work? If you're attached to a device, does is that does that work as well?
2: If you do what, sorry?
0: If, you, if you're attached to a device or so if you're attached to like Windows Phone? And- uh,
2: absolutely. Like it work, like our debugger okay. works regardless. Like you can debug locally or attach to a device uh, and yeah. you still have exactly the same capabilities. So you have the full round trip. Uh, it's super powerful.
0: Oh, so I can, but I can sit there and edit the XAML and then see it on my device immediately. Yep. All that. Okay. So yep. that's,
2: that's like, that you didn't have on VP6. <laughs> yeah. yeah Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <on> that, but <laughs> no, it, that's, it's that actually is a, that's huge. quite, it's something that maybe web developers uh, got used to maybe in the last year or so uh, on the browser. Yeah. But it, there is a lot going on behind the scene when it's a native app and the ability mm-hmm. to change the UI uh, yeah. dynamically. It's uh, including like GPU effects, et cetera. And so it's, uh, it's quite an outstanding achievement for the team.
0: That is like, it is like life-changing because we, we had, um, we had Frank Krieger on here talking about, uh, an app called continuous for iPad, where you could develop an iOS app. And as you were developing, it was updating your UI. And I actually used that to develop some Xamarin UIs and it totally changes your workflow because I mean, having that immediate response makes you 10 X faster. So, I mean, the developer productivity is just going through the roof. Exactly. And then, and then a couple other features here, like, um, what about high DPI improvements?
2: <laughs> so if you're especially a developer and you're used to have multiple screens, uh, mm-hmm. what you might have found, uh, we had this in a while in, in the Windows build, is that is if you have choose different screens at different resolutions and you drag one window from one place to the other, sometimes the DPI were not completely right. And so you might find the, the, the window that has one size on screen A, and as you move mm-hmm. it to the other one, all the labels now become bigger, uh, bigger yeah. than what you wanted. Um, and so we fixed that. Uh, and so now you get exactly the size that that you expect. Uh, and we fixed it in a way that doesn't require developers to do uh, a lot of code on top of the platform. So they either get it for free, it just works. Like that. Uh, or there are APIs where developers are in full control of how they want to um, respond to different high DPI on the machines. Um, and also we, we fixed uh, like a, a bug that has been sitting there for a while where if you resize the window uh, very quickly on a, on a Windows machine, you will see some uh, uh, lag, some some effect uh, with uh, like a, a green area, and then it will fill up. Now instead, it's a smooth operation again. Um, so a little de- the lighter that uh, you know in a developer life uh, actually make a big difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're saying if I have like a, a classic WinForms or WPF app, there's there's a good chance that depending upon how my app works, that I might not have to do anything. That's right. Yes. But if, but if for some reason it still quite isn't giving me what I need to make high DPI seamless, mm-hmm. then I can access these ap- APIs with just a few lines of code.
2: Yes. Uh, we optimize for the, for the most common scenarios in a way that developers don't need to do anything. It just get bad. The application just works. Um, but yes, we also give granularity to developers to override uh, maybe the decision that the operating system does or, or decide exactly like, how, to, uh, how to, render it, uh, to render the UI. Yeah,
0: no, I'm jumping for joy over that one for sure.
2: <laughs> we, we we got a great lot of great feedback actually about the future.
0: Yeah. Um, one that I, that I really love is, you know, obviously bash support and, and I actually tweeted about this recently and I, I couldn't believe how many people are excited about, well, I guess I can believe it cause it's an exciting feature, but you know, I, I showed, uh, running a node JS application in, um, in bash, mm-hmm. and then I was able to connect to it with a VS code debugger. And that's actually just on, that's not even in the, the creators update. That's in the anniversary update. Mm-hmm. Um, but bash the, the power of having bash on there. Um, I've, I've had so many people look at that, especially like Mac users. And they're they're like, hmm, I might actually be able to go back to a PC now. Yeah. Um, so what's in store for, for bash on the uh we know, got the,
2: yeah we got a tremendous response to when we introduction bash intro, mm-hmm. introduce bash in the in the university update. Um, I do agree actually we have a lot of uh, friends and colleagues that uh, um, that might used uh, MacBooks with because of bash in the past and nowadays switch to Surface Books and they're like oh my god like this is even <laughs> better you know I get bash yeah. I get touch I get you know modern PC it's, they're super excited uh, and so we we've been really listening to the feedback from uh, bash developers in the in the last. Few months. And what you found, what you will find in the creator updates is really like the the top feedback that we receive uh, uh, in this period. And so we introduced little delighters, for example. Uh, I'll start with this, from this which is actually big in that word, uh, colors. Uh, so we improved the way colors work in the shell, uh, in, in the in the bash window. We support many more colors, uh, and that allows for richer rendering of just uh, uh, console applications. Uh, we introduced mouse support, so you can now select the mouse, um, similar to how you used to do in the in the command window. Uh, so that's just little delighter. The uh, There've been multiple uh, improvements uh, in the in the bash uh, in the Windows subsystem for Linux. Uh, for example, uh, support for the uh, most common uh, developer tools. Um, one of the things we demonstrate on stage is... Uh, connecting the bash console to actually visual studio and so you can uh, start something in bash then let's say you want a rich editor you can open up that in visual studio and we even allow visual studio now uh, basically open like an ssl tunnel into the bash window and that mm-hmm. allows you to debug into into the bash window um, okay and so it's uh, you get the full fidelity of your bash environment mm-hmm. with the power of a modern tool for debugging and coding which is like like visual studio yeah, that's amazing. Um, which is yeah,
0: because you're because you're writing for Linux, right? Debugging on Windows, it's really all the same machine, right. but it's still legitimate. And, yeah, somebody and you had can just compile,
2: asked me, so you can see compile from Visual Studio and still compiling. The compilation is not happening as a Windows process. Oh, it's, hap- it's happening oh, that's cool. as a as a inside your Bash environment. That's pretty clever. So that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty clever. clever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was cheating by using Node.js, and somebody just asked me. They're like, they're like, can you use VS Code to debug? And all I did was I just started the Node debugger within the Bash shell, mm-hmm. and then I just told VS Code to connect. And yeah, it, yeah of course it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I figured it would, but it, it just. You know it's still like there's there's so much magic there that it's just hard to wrap your head around that it is that simple, it is that easy, and it just works. And it's that's pretty cool with the whole Visual Studio thing as well.
2: And the great thing is that again, we're not reinventing the wheel, we're just connecting into yeah. the powerful bash uh, environment. And then for developers that are, you know, a dependency on that environment or love to use in that environment, they also get the benefits of modern tools. Uh, so, yeah, that's a win win for everybody.
0: And then, Carl, I don't remember if we mentioned on the show, but you, you can launch, I think we might have, you know, you can launch Windows binaries from, uh, from the Bash shell as well, which is pretty cool. Yep. Yep. What else we got here? Go ahead, Carl.
1: So uh, there's been a bunch of Windows Store improvements too.
2: Yeah, so one of the things that uh, we discuss, and I'll keep it a bit broader than just the Store. Um, on Windows, Like we developers have multiple channels to distribute their application. Uh, the Store is one of them. Uh, and we love it. And we are seeing more developers using it, and it provides a number of services. And we talk about uh, a number of things that developers can do on the store, uh, a number of new features coming to the store. Uh, there are also a class of categ- a category of developers that uh, might have their own uh, mechanism for distribution, or they might use other systems like MDM tools uh, or uh, um, Windows Store for Business. And so we're really improving the spectrum across uh, in terms of new capabilities and, and more control to the users. Lastly, we want to help users acquire more users, uh, engage their users, and then monetize their application, right? And each developer will have a different uh, business model. Uh, And so we made a number of announcements uh, uh, towards this path uh, last week. Uh, For example, for acquisition, uh, we announced... um, The availability now of uh, Facebook uh, app install ads, if you're not familiar with it, basically allows you to create an ad inside the Facebook network. So these will be available on Facebook uh, website as well as their applications. And that ad can now point directly to your application. Uh, as a windows application that's super powerful because allows you to for example uh, create very targeted campaigns you can say i want to target only people in this demographic in these countries in this age that have interest for these specific uh, you know uh, uh, areas or crit- that are part of these groups that work at this company so it's very you know targeted uh, um uh reach with uh, with the Facebook network and then connecting that into the Windows ecosystem and so suggesting users uh, to connect and install your applications. So this was one of the things yeah. we announced last week. Another thing I was thing, just gonna say but, I
0: was just gonna say real quick in the in the show notes Carl we should include a link to the uh there's a there's a Facebook page that you can get to under <laughs> your it's somewhere under your preferences that will tell you like everything Facebook knows about you. <laughs> and of it's course pretty, it's pretty crazy. Like it even knows It knows like where you lean politically and it knows like all these other demographics and those are all targetable attributes, which is very interesting. They know a lot about you.
2: (laughs) And that's how, you know, some companies out there build their business, right? If you look at Facebook and Google, but, uh, you know, there are pros and cons, obviously, that approach. Um, Yep. Then the other thing that we announced is, and we actually released, is the availability of uh, uh, another SDK for uh, uh, analytics. Uh, this one is from Google. Uh, it's called Windows SDK for Google Analytics. And so we did this because uh, we actually already have analytics into our platform. We provide it with Azure, we have App Insights, we have analytics mm-hmm. in the Windows Store. But we also realized that there are a number of developers out there that they already built like, their own analytics systems uh, on other platforms using maybe tools like the one from Google. And so we want to support developers where, where they are, and we wanted we wanted to give them a choice uh, of which uh, tools and which analytics to use. And so now, as a developer building Windows applications, uh, you have a choice also to use uh, Windows SDK for Google Analytics, which is easy to. Br- it's just a NuGet file, so it's easy to bring into your project. Um, with one line of code, you just send events from your application. Works very similar like to how you would track normally a website if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. So you can track like the page view, the, the pages you. Can can track like singular custom events, uh, and, and then that all of these get reported through the same dashboard that uh, Google is, is known for. Or if you want, you can just use the analytics in, uh, in the Windows Store. And so, one of the things we announced in the Windows Store is the support for custom events. And so, you can send a custom event, and then you will see it on your store dashboard uh, on, uh, on the Windows portal.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So just developers have endless choice here.
2: Aspose offers a powerful set of file management
1: APIs with which developers can create applications, which can create, open, edit, and save the majority of popular business file formats. Their product range supports a multitude of file formats, including Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint presentations, PDF documents, OneNote, Outlook, Project, Visio files, popular image formats, and many others. Aspose produces APIs for .NET, Java, and the cloud, which can be utilized in almost any modern language available today. Visit www.aspose.com for a free 30-day no-limitations trial. And if you get stuck, message the friendly support team for help. All technical support is offered free of charge. Remember, if you're a lucky winner, you will receive a free developer small business license for Aspose.Words for .NET. A powerful toolkit to work with Word documents in your applications.
2: And then, lastly, so this is more for SDKs on on, uh, on our uh, partner ecosystem. From a store perspective, we've done a lot of improvements in the creator updates. Uh, I think the three main areas that we targeted were uh, improvements in the submission. So now we provide a lot of uh, more control over submitting applications to the to the store. For example, we provide a, a Almost every uh, capability that is part of the dashboard is also available as an API. And so, as a developer, you can automate the process of submitting and keeping your app updating, oh, wow. submitting all nice. the metadata. So, if you have an application translated in ten languages, uh, you can just have an API that sucks the data from one place and like import the, import and export the data from different locations very easy versus they need to do it uh, all manually. Um, we support uh, multiple, one very common request was um, multiple users have access to the store account and each user have different uh, capabilities. So you might have some the developer that can go and submit the package. You may have your uh, marketing team maybe just going and looking at the analytics of that package. Uh, and so now you can control multiple roles uh, and this is connected with uh, Azure Active Directory
0: i um, heard that request. <laughs> yes, there you go. So it's now live.
2: Yeah. Um, and then a lot of uh, new capabilities in terms of uh, uh, analytics and monetization. This is an area that is particularly uh, important for developers using the store to distribute their apps. So more uh, ads capability, like new rich type of format of ads, um, new type of banners, uh, helps doing compa- building campaigns coming from your application. Um, more, um, APIs to respond also to the feedback coming from from your app. So a lot of like capability for for analytics. And then finally, if if you're a game developer, there are tons of more capabilities for you as game developers from, uh, uh, trailers and live Xbox live badges and, uh, um, conditional discounts we, we we got into this into one of the sessions so if you want more details just go and watch mm-hmm. the session from
1: uh, yeah I was really excited uh, about some of the payment options you said conditional discounts but also paid upgrades there's a lot of times where uh, if you're going to release maybe a a major version that you may not want to charge full price but you know have a smaller price for those who have been with you uh along the way to to get the the full version of the app so i thought that was those are some things that i've heard other developers really asking for so it was nice to see those get included
2: yeah and another neat feature that is coming it's a it's a the team just finished developing, so you will see it in the in the next uh, uh, rollout uh, in the coming upcoming rollout is the ability to say if if as a developer you have multiple apps you can also have a condition where if the user already acquired application A you could apply a discount to application B uh, so you have lot of more control into oh, how you how you yeah because then you, you could buy like, like a buy suite it. of products that's right yeah.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, because that's one of the biggest complaints about like the i the uh, the iOS store, and particularly now with like the iPad Pro, is is that it, the it just there's none of those tools are in there to support that type of uh, ecosystem. So it's great to see it on our side because that's you know the the people that are using these devices are are going to be power users. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, anything new on the? I, I'm I see it called a couple of different things here: the desktop bridge, the Windows bridge. Um, I don't know, it used to be called like desktop app converter. I don't know what that's called now. <laughs> um, what's the latest on that?
2: All of these. So, all the names you use are all fine and it's like, okay. don't call so it's me, on the, me on the branding. I think uh, yeah. <laughs> we definitely have room for improvements from a branding perspective. But all the terms that you mentioned are all right. Um, I think um, so. If you're not familiar with, uh, with with the bridge already, what it does, um, there are a lot of developers that have built like Win32 apps for many years, whether you're using VB6 or Windows Forms or WPF, um, and and first and because that's sometimes a big investment, um, jumping into a completely different uh, architecture can take time. Um, and so we wanted to help developers avoiding like a big jump and helping them on the journey. And so what the bridge allows you to do is uh, to uh, when your application is running on Windows 10, you can actually call all of, most, if not all of the Windows 10 APIs. Uh, and so it's very easy to call a U- new UWP API, whether it's Cortana or Windows Hello or, or, or anything else that is in the UWP world, uh, from your legacy code, from your Win32 code. And also, once you do this, we also provide tools uh, where if you want to distribute your application through the store, or in general, if you want to create a distribute your application through the new app installer experience that we have on Windows, uh, called Apex, uh, you can actually do that. And so you, you have this tool. You just give your executable, so no need to do code changes. And the tool will uh, uh, repackage it in a way that can be distributed for this new uh, modern uh, system. Um, and it has a lot of advantages. Um, number A, like it, it helps installing your application in a um, in a safe environment, where safe means that it, it's not like changing the way your application works. It's just making it easier to install it and eventually even uninstall it without uh, you know creating a lot of bloatware around the operating system, uh, which is lastly like a better user experience. Um, two, it gives you access to new APIs, so you can call any uh, UWP API from uh, once you uh, run the application for this converter. Uh, and then three, you also have access to all of the store uh, services or store distribution channel. So whether you want to support uh, ads or you want to do uh, you sell your application for the store and letting the store, for example, take care of all of the uh, infrastructure to uh, handle the payment in different languages, different countries with all the right tax uh, location, blah, 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 Um we, we take care of all of that service for you. And as a developer, it's very easy to tap into this and potentially even build new um, business model or u- new revenue streams for your existing applications. Um, and in fact, we shared the stories of uh, uh, a few partners that use it in the last few months, and they saw a lot of success. Uh, Evernote, for example, was extremely uh, happy that uh, since they're using the bridge to distribute their application, the Centennial Bridge, uh, their users are always up to date. So it's easier to keep the users up to date on the latest release, and it's easier for users to install their application. Photoscape is uh, is a developer, uh, I think somewhere in uh, in Russia, if I remember correctly. Uh, And what they were able to do is like they're building their business uh, based on uh, it's a design photo design photo editor application on the desktop. And so they're using the store to actually monetize their application. Uh, And this like they don't have the infrastructure to go and handle credit cards across the world, and so they just use that service, and it's very convenient for them. Uh, And then uh, uh, the, last one, the last story that we shared is from uh, Cody. Uh, so Cody was one of the first uh, uh, partners to actually distribute their application to the store through Centennial. Uh, in just like two or three months, they saw over 1 million users downloading their app from our store. Um, and they got so excited that they decided to bring their code base, which is like a C++ code base, to UDP uh, and then release it to Xbox One. And uh, so tap into new other Windows 10 uh, devices. Uh, so sure. a lot of momentum around uh, yeah. the desktop uh, bridge.
1: Uh, one of the other examples that I really like seeing is uh, one of the demos, code demos that was given is when they took that, uh, that uh, I think it was a WinForms app. And not only did they show it updating, but then they showed that when they updated, it does the incremental updates. Uh-huh. So if you already have part of it downloaded, it only downloads the deltas. Yep. And how much quicker that is and 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 for people who have written installers in the past, that would be monumental for each person to reimplement every time. so being able to get that for free is just really huge.
2: yeah, exactly. That's part of the new installation package. So whether it's an app or a game, uh, you now can uh, start running your app even while the application is the, the setup is still installing the application uh it's something that you might have seen before with uh, office actually office led the way uh with the product and now the same applies both on pc and desktop to uh pretty that's much cool. any application
0: yeah i mean this is just better for the users i mean that's that's what's great about it cuz i you know especially i uh, you know anybody who is is not a non-advanced user mm-hmm. just being able to just have everything up to date all the time without thinking about it is is huge i mean it is kind of crazy how much babysitting my computers have required in the past. So this is this is a welcome change. Um let's see, what are we going to talk about next? Uh so
1: right at the beginning there was uh an announcement. Uh first I w- I want to say we've been pronouncing it wrong for years apparently, at least we have Jason. So it's yep. t- telleric
0: <laughs> as <laughs>
2: You're absolutely right. We got it wrong as well and we had to clarify the day before it was Telerik. Oh, did you
0: call it it Telerik?
2: I always call it Telerik. I thought it was Telerik. I'm still calling it it, Telerik.
0: I don't know if you got this, but I got it from the Windows developer show. They would always call it (laughs) Telerik and like Telerik, T- teleric was pa- was paying them, <laughs> and they were still pronouncing it wrong. Yeah. Like we have a spouse right now as our sponsor, and like our first question was like, make sure that we're pronouncing this correctly. <laughs> so I think I think everybody's just been trained wrong. And then I actually talked to um, a VP at the at the company, and then I I just didn't feel like correcting her. Like she called it uh, teler- uh, Teleric. <laughs> Uh, and I was just like, no, you're saying it wrong. But here she was actually <laughs> saying it right. But I, luckily, I didn't say anything because I would have made a fool out of myself.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so Todd, yeah, we've all been pronouncing the, it wrong. The day before during the rehearsal, so we were uh, practicing um, like the end to end show, and uh, Todd from Telerik. Um, was doing a weird phase every time we were saying, Telerik, now Telerik. <laughs> it was like, no, guys, it's Telerik. So oh, that's we, we learned something. <laughs> learn something this
0: week.
1: Yeah. But anyways, they they, they open sourced their UI controls. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I wanted to know is from your perspective, what impact does this have on both the developer community and other uh, control vendors?
2: So look, I think the i w i love open source in fact, like you, you know my team works a lot on many open source projects. You had David Kathui uh, a few weeks yeah. ago in the show, and so you know we we were involved even in other projects like u w p community toolkit uh, or manifold j s or Borlon.js. j s and i think every any there is a community. Participating in the open and sharing, you know, their code or sharing like their feedback uh, or working with each other and sharing best practices—it's always goodness. It's always goodness for for the ecosystem, uh, and so I love that. Um, and so, actually, it was uh, it, it's great to see that even vendors like Teleric. Um, see the opportunity to share their code uh, in the open so that other people can not just request future to them, but actually go and look into the code, how things were built uh, and pro- potentially go and fork that code and create new controls or improve the existing controls. So I think that that is uh, uh, all great. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that uh, other vendors, other control vendors, and by the way, there are a lot of great control vendors and options on Windows, um, you know, they still provide a lot of value. And so they still provide uh, unique Controls that I know uh, their customers are, are 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 buying or or are subscribed to, uh, and so I, I don't think this is uh, gonna uh, impact uh, in a in a negative way. In, in in if anything, this is gonna be good for the have the ecosystem, create the right tension between you know when you decide to open source and and provide you know a mod a business model based on support versus when you decide to put a a, a gate up front and then just sell your controls. Um, mm-hmm. the, the initial feedback and response we got is actually very positive. So we know that uh, Telerik had some controls that the community was looking for, like uh, data grid or charting. Uh, and so it's good actually to have this in the open. And I hope that uh, uh, others will follow the same uh, path and, or, or will just contribute to that. One of the things I I observed directly with uh, uh, one of my team projects has been the UWP community toolkit. It's the power that actually developers have on influencing the platform. Um, we first started where uh, my team just put out like a few controls on the toolkit, and most of the code was coming from, from us. And then two months later, I think 85 or 84 percent of the contributions now are coming from uh, developers in the field wow. that knows yeah, you know
0: a, that's a big signal, right?
2: Yeah. And, and they they know you know they're working day in day they out on uh, on real projects and so they know exactly what customers need um and it's great to see that you know health ecosystem moving on so i'm very looking forward at uh, this and, and any other future uh, open source project
0: Okay, we got a couple other ones we got to get through. Like, what is game mode for Windows? I keep hearing about this.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, um, so I uh, give you the, the developer version of that question, uh, sure. which is really about you know, game developers often demand more, more, more. They want more. More GPU, more CPU, more memory. I, I want to be able to really exploit the best of the of the hardware that I'm running, um, and that's what GetMod does. GetMod is a, is a series of things that the operating system built right natively into your operating system uh, that allowed uh, developers, in particular in particular game developers, to uh, predictably request or have access to more resources uh, when they need. Uh, and so this is something that we're introducing the creators update, uh, both on Xbox as well as on PC. Uh, and lastly, we'll create uh, you know we'll allow developers to do even more from the application, which is going to result in an even better experience for for the end users.
0: Okay, that is very cool.
1: So you know you brought up Xbox. That leads to another question. You know in the past UWP games have been kind of excluded from the Xbox Store. Do we have any changes in this policy going forward?
2: so it's it's never been like a, a policy enforcement or exclu- exclusion i think in the in the past the uh, game on on xbox uh used to run you know natively on you know on the very uh, how do you call it, down to the meta, right? Direct text, very low performance, low hooks. And now we brought uh, over the past year the same Windows 10 platform that you have on PC, uh, on Xbox, which means the same UWP app or games that you build on PC can now run on Xbox. Uh, and so um, if you're a game developer and you build like a UWP game on desktop and you want to be also on, on the Xbox, you can apply to the Idea the Xbox program and there will be a very simple, uh, straightforward uh, uh, program that allows you to also publish the same application to, your con- to, to the console. Uh, the great thing is not just that the platform is the same. So the same code base will just work. Obviously, the interaction can be different from the PC. So you don't, it's less about mouse and keyboard. It's more about controller, but it's something that developers know how to, you know, to, to code and develop into their application. And also from a store perspective, we, we use the same store infrastructure, the same store submission model. And so it's really true that you can build a universal app and run it on across any device, uh, from, uh, the Windows 10 family.
0: Very cool. Uh Windows Sonic. What is that?
2: <laughs> oh, that's another <laughs> cool name. Um, so it's. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. that uh, I'm just like
0: I'm like oh somebody was somebody was really getting excited about the branding.
2: <laughs> you know, it's actually Windows something Sonic. that uh, it's it's growing in the industry. The idea that sound is not just this. You know, we move from mono to stereo to stereo to the five point yeah. one, uh, right? Seven point one. Uh, now the idea is actually st- sound are three dimensional. Uh, When we first released the HoloLens, uh, I think HoloLens was the first device that uh, really supported the idea of 360 sounds. And so if I'm wearing the headset, uh, and if I'm using an app or a game. They want to call my attention on the back. They can exactly point, uh, you know, the location of the sound and I hear it coming from there. And so, yep. you know, mentally I turn around and I know exactly where the sound is coming from.
0: So, <laughs> Which is amazing. Like Dolby yeah. headphone was one that did that as right. well. There's actually, I uh, will have to find a YouTube video, but there's, there's a couple out there where they play this thing where the sound is going around your head. Cause the reality is you have two ears and just with those two ears, you can hear where something is coming from. Right. So you can just exploit that uh, that human feature.
2: That's right. And so we introduced it with the with Windows 10 on, on uh, HoloLens, but now we're bringing it to any Windows 10 device. And so whether it's your PC or other devices, you can actually run 360 sounds, which also means that as you connect uh, the new devices from our OEMs that will support uh, uh, Windows Holographic, you will also have the same immersive experience. Uh, or if you record a 360 video, you know, using one of the the new gadgets, um, you you also have that experience as well. So it's it's great to see you know Windows evolving and really meeting the the industry trends uh, and being actually one of the first, if not the first, operating system to to support it.
1: So you said it's coming to new devices, but I remember one of the distinct. Um uh, drawbacks on the Hololens is if you had a 2D application, you didn't get that spatial sound. So, is this coming to uh, the rest of the platform as well in that uh, way?
2: So, um, not sure what drawback you're referring to, but um, so it, the, the sound obviously needs to be designed mm-hmm. to be yeah. three dimensional, right? Uh, and so, for example, if you're familiar with Unity and how you build a 3D experience on Unity. It's as simple as placing uh, a 3D object in the space and then assigning to that object a sound uh, component okay. and that will directionally point the sound in the direction of that that That's 3D cool. object is facing. And so by design a flat application that doesn't have the concept of uh, you know what's the sound uh, you know in the 3D space will not have a three-dimensional sound. That's by design. Okay. Um the, the best you can do actually a, a flat application will be it's by itself one directional sound right so it will it's a flat window, so the sound will come out from that window, um, but as a developer now you have full control and granularity and so you can uh, um, tell the operating system like the direction and and how you want the, the sound to be rendered cool, cool. so uh,
1: this was announced in the game section, but I, I think it kind of goes back to our kind of uh, application lifestyle or lifecycle uh, talk earlier in the store about how games are on download, you can actually uh, start playing them before they finish installing.
2: Right, yeah. We, we talked about this uh, earlier in the interview, and um, okay. we talk about it in the, in the game section, but really like it's a capability that is available for both games and apps. Uh, we okay. call it uh, Intelligent Install. And so you install the app from the store, uh, and as soon as the application is is just enough content to run, the user will know, so there will be visual cues, obviously, for the user, and the user will be able to launch the app. Um, The app will start running with maybe incomplete content, and then as the setup process completes, then you get the full experience.
0: Cool, cool. Um, And then I guess this is probably one of the last things that we're going to ask. We're almost out of time here. Uh, But the the documentation. There's a whole bunch of documentation now at docs.microsoft.com, which I like because it's pretty easy to remember. Yep. Um. So like, kind of what what is the what is the status of that? What is the improvement in experience there?
2: So first of all, we are moving, transitioning all of the documentation from what used to be the MSDN Center into docs.microsoft.com, which is our new one across company location for all the docs um, what I love about it is that it's fresh the 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 way content is organized and the way SEO works is is much in, more intelligent than what we had maybe 20 years ago uh, and the other thing is that the entire docs platform it's uh, is actually uh, open source and so, developers that want to, or anybody actually, for what that matters, they want to contribute, can now just go and fork the documentation and create their own yes. d- their own, uh, <laughs> you know, edits, um, yeah. same way as Wikipedia works today, which uh, which is great. And so, we hope this is like the way we contribute the content. So internally, uh, any team that wants to, you know, modify the documentation now can just go and do it the same way an external developer can do it. Uh, so it's that. it's going to be a, another great uh, future for for the community.
0: Very cool, very cool. Um, anything else you're just dying to, to mention that we that we passed up? Well, we, really we, we didn't talk about
2: uh, web. Uh, and uh, we actually, uh, you know, not all developers are building, like, apps. There are a lot of developers right. that are building web applications that already have a lot of uh, web content. Uh, and so we've done a lot of improvements uh, in uh, in Edge, and so in our rendering engine, not just from a baseline perspective in terms of performance and security, but also we're bringing a lot of new features uh, into, the, into the web. Platform. Uh, one I'm very excited about is uh, WebVR. Uh, so you can now render three D content like Babylon uh, in, uh, in VR from yeah. Edge. Um, if you're not that fancy, if you're just writing code for you know boring LOB applications, you now have. Uh, async and await in JavaScript. This is probably my yes. favorite feature. <laughs> and so, you know, you can manage promises almost natively on JavaScript without the need to set up callbacks and have all of yeah. that spaghetti code that we got used to. It's JavaScript fixing developers. the worst thing in
0: JavaScript. Yep.
2: Right. I think <laughs> async await is going to change the way you write JavaScript <clears> forever. Yeah. Um, and so now it's available in uh, in Edge. You can already start using it today. Um, and there are a lot of new features like the web payments. Uh, there are a lot of other capabilities. Uh, another thing that we're introducing it's uh, uh, the web app manifest and then what allows you to do is if you have a let's say a web web content, web assets, a great web application and you want to distribute that application also for example on the Windows Store or in other native store uh, you can now there a a W3C manifest it's just like a JSON file you drop it on your website and then with simple tools you can convert that into an app. Uh, in fact we are Releasing, I believe, today, so this might be actually very new, um, a tool in preview uh, called PWA Builder, which allows okay. you to build a progressive web app starting from the manifest. And behind the scenes, we're just reusing the same you know architecture that we've been talking about in the past few years called hosted web app on Windows. Yeah. But it's an interoperable approach, so it's a great web app experience across uh, multiple devices.
1: So when you say interoperable, does that also mean that uh, this follows the W3C spec for the uh, web app manifest?
2: Yeah, exactly. So awesome. it means, in fact, if you look at the tool, like it will build a web app that you can distribute to Windows, but you can also distribute to other devices. So we're using technologies that developers are used to or, or, or that are new but are happening in the in the standard space. And of course, once you have a web app on a diff- specific platform, that web application can call into native APIs. Uh, in the case of Windows, I think we, we give the, the, the largest and broadest access to the Windows 10 APIs coming from a web application, like a web app on Windows can call any UWP API from JavaScript, uh, and it's very easy. So you don't need to set up bridges. You don't need to have like Cordova things. It's just the right uh, communication, which is faster, easier, and and, and better.
0: Perfect. Okay, Georgia. I know we're out of time. So uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you're working on?
2: Uh, find me on Twitter. Uh, so I'm definitely active on Twitter. Uh, I travel the world. And so if uh, if you find me at event, please come <laughs> and say hi. Uh, but uh, definitely gsardo, gisardo on Twitter. It's my handle.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And I'm Jason Young. You can find me at ytechiecom or on Twitter at twitter.com slash So, Giorgio, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about all this. That was such a great summary and really appreciate your insight here.
2: Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.